0: This is channel
1: 253 channel 253 is sponsored by alaska airlines i'm nate bowling and i fly alaska to book your next trip go to alaskaair.com
0: hi this is evelyn lopez welcome to crossing division tacoma's talk show we are coming to you from the very sublime and lovely Moonyard studio in North Tacoma. And today we are talking about disasters, particularly earthquakes and volcanoes. And I have with me as my guest, Brian Turbush. Brian, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you came to be involved with earthquakes and volcanoes.
2: Well, hello. I'm, uh, I work for Washington State Emergency Management Division, I'm the Earthquake and Volcano Program Coordinator. Um, I've always been fascinated with volcanoes, especially since a visit to Mount St. Helens back in
3: 2004,
2: Mm. Um, and ended up studying geology and then geophysics, um, geophysical volcanology in grad school.
0: Excellent.
2: Um, And decided I just wanted to take a public service route with that.
0: Yeah. So uh, is your office located at Camp Murray, or are you down somewhere else? You are at Camp Murray.
2: Yes, we're located at Camp Murray.
0: Okay. I've seen pictures of the emergency management sort of um, headquarters, but I have never been there.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting building. So we have the State Emergency Operations Center there, um, which is where we'll all go to respond. It looks a little like a mission control in there. Yeah, it does. If you ever get a chance to visit, highly recommend it.
3: Excellent.
2: Um, another interesting thing is we're built on base isolators.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so this is something that would allow it to be, um, it would rock back and forth and move with the ground during an earthquake instead of taking all the motion like another building would.
0: Oh, that's good. The
2: idea is that keep that safe during a large earthquake.
0: How Do you have a sense of how large an earthquake um, could it take without it being damaged?
2: Well, that's rough because they always say it's for a magnitude 7 earthquake, Uh but um, the intensity where it is is a little more important. Oh, yeah.
0: So if it's right nearby, then that's going to be If it's right nearby
2: and bigger than that, it could be worse. But um, overall, it should withstand just about anything. And Okay. Um, That we can have in that area, but we can talk more about that.
0: We will. So one of the reasons we wanted to talk about earthquakes in particular, and we'll talk about this more at the end of the program, but um, Washington's big shakeout is coming up on October 17th. And everyone is urged to participate in that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, Washington is earthquake country, the entire state. We have the second highest seismic risk in the nation. We're just behind California.
0: I didn't realize we were that close to yeah. California. That's interesting. So I thought we would start by sharing some disaster stories. So, Why not? Tell me, what is the worst earthquake you have ever been in?
2: Been in? Okay. Well, um, I did some grad school research in Guatemala on a mm-hmm. volcano. Um, shortly before we went down there, there was a large 7.1 earthquake um, and that caused actually one of our hotel rooms to be um, unhabitable. We couldn't be in there. Um, But there were a lot of aftershocks while we were down there as well. So climbing up into the volcano, um, one of the days it just felt like all of a sudden we were out on a boat on the ocean, just the ground was rocking back and forth. And there were a whole bunch of rock slides behind us as a result.
0: Well, were you concerned that the volcano might, um, you know, do something too with all of the earth tremor activity?
2: Oh, we did try to see if they were related, but... Mm -hmm. um, in general, those earthquakes do not cause volcanic eruptions. It's, oh. They're really hard to link.
0: Yeah. Well, that's probably good.
2: That is good. Yeah.
0: So what is the best or worst volcano story you have?
2: Uh, so I've been pretty close to a few while they've been erupting. Really? Um, heard a lot of loud, loud explosions. They really shake the air around you. Um, seen a lot of ash, been covered with it a few times. It's been an inconvenience. It's ruined a few zippers. Uh-huh. That stuff is very abrasive. Um, but not in the U.S. yet.
0: Okay. So. Where was the um, most recent volcano um, explosion that you – or eruption that you saw?
2: Um, probably Volcán de Colima in Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, I was down there in July 2015. Um, wow. And they had a large – about 11-kilometer-long pyroclastic flow. So this is like a hot avalanche of gas and ash. Um, we were not sounds... on it at the time. But <laughs> right. Um, the avalanche of
0: it. hot ash and gas. That just sounds
2: – It's a hazard that we have at our volcanoes in Washington, um, at least – Glacier Peak, Mount Baker, um, Mount Rainier, and Mount St. Helens can most definitely have those. Um, huh. Mount Adams a little more questionable, but it certainly could in the right conditions.
3: Oh,
0: what I, I my understanding is is that like our volcanoes are not likely to do a lava spew like the ones in Hawaii.
2: Yeah, that's right. They are a different type of lava. Um, it's called andesite for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, it's named after the Andes. It's the type that builds large mountains instead of, it's not very, um, it's much more viscous, it's uh-huh. more resistant to flowing than the lava in Hawaii. Oh, so it tends to flow shorter distances. Well, this one at Colima um, in Mexico had the same um, type of lava, and you could watch it. And some days later in the flow, when it was cooler, it would move downhill about 20 meters a day. Oh, okay. It um, so like 60 feet.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so not very fast.
0: No, not very fast, but it's sort of like inevitable.
2: Uh, It is always coming towards you. It has different hazards associated with it, too, because rocks can break off the front, and then you get fast-moving rock flows. Um, Gas can explode out of there as well, and you get these pyroclastic flows of a different type. Hmm. So, yeah, different lava flows all have different hazards, but at least where we are, they're most likely to be contained within national parks.
0: Oh, well, I guess that's good. It can yeah. be because nobody yeah. lives there. So right. that's
2: really helpful for the hazards. That
0: is helpful. Well, uh, I'll tell you. So I don't have a good volcano story. Okay. I remember Mount St. Helens erupted when I was a senior in high school, but I was down in California. Okay. So I heard about it um, and saw a lot of the news coverage, but didn't really experience it. And I was surprised when I came up to it. So I uh, that was in 1980 when I was a senior in high school. And then in 1985, I came up to Washington to start law school. And I was surprised at how much ash there still was, oh, yeah. um, you know, down in the area, um, Tudor River, places like that. Um, so I can't imagine what it was like, you know, right after the that explosion. It must have been a amazing long time to clean up. <laughs> yeah, it must have just been everywhere. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Well, I do have a good volcano story though. I'm oh, not a good earthquake story. Yeah, I don't I'm have a good earthquake story. So uh, I – and I use this a little bit. We have been running some promos um, for the big shakeout, but I'll give you more details. So I was uh, working in Olympia for the attorney general's office in, uh, in February of, ni- of 2001 when the Nisqually earthquake happened. And we were um, probably mm, – mm, I would say I think we we're like nine miles from the epicenter. In Nisqually. So really close. And I had grown up in California and had always sort of thought, eh, you know, earthquakes, I totally understand earthquakes. That is not a big deal at all. Well, let me tell you, it was really a severe earthquake. And uh, I was on the seventh floor of the Highways Licenses Building, which is one of the higher buildings in Olympia, right across from the Capitol campus. And the room just started rumbling. And uh, someone said, you know, oh, it's an earthquake. And the room started really shaking. And someone said, you know, I think we all got underneath. We were in a big conference room. We all got under the big conference room table. And the building started swaying back Mm -hmm. and forth. I mean, really noticeably swaying. Mm -hmm. And someone was saying, you know, hang on. So we were hanging on. And I just thought, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, I should swear now because I was actually swearing to myself. But I was Mm -hmm. thinking, that's it. I mean, this building is going to come down. It can't take it. And and it just seemed to go on and on and on, and then it stopped. And we all sort of crawled out from underneath the table and looked at each other and realized, okay, now we evacuate. And so we went down. I stopped by my office on the sixth floor to pick up my purse and a jacket uh, because I didn't know when we'd get back in, and we exited the building. And everyone just sort of milled around outside for a while because you couldn't get in your car because the cars were all in a parking garage, and mm-hmm. nobody knew if that was structurally safe to get into. Good idea. <laughs> uh, and um, and we hadn't. I hadn't checked to see if everyone got on. You know, we had a a check in sheet so we could check who was in and who was out. Um, but we hadn't done. Uh, thought to go around the building. I think we were too shaken. We were rattled. Mm-hmm. We hadn't gone around to check whether anyone was still in their offices. And one of the attorneys was still stuck in his office. Um, the, he had a corner office and the building had shifted enough that his door was lodged shut. Oh, no. uh, now, interesting, when he was found, when someone finally – so people went back into the building to check to see if everyone had gotten out and found that he had not gotten out. And he was trapped in there. But one of the reasons he was trapped and he hadn't done anything, you know, hadn't signaled, hey, I'm trapped, was because he had a giant fish tank in there with mm. two lumpy giant black goldfish in it. And it was a dirty, a dirty fish tank too. And it had broken into bits. It had exploded oh, in the no. earthquake. And so he had been trying to save his fish and deal with the fact that his office was flooded with dirty, stinky fish water. But um, so people came and they got him out. They actually had to use a pry bar to open his door and get him out. And so wow. he came out with the two large lumpy fish in a trash can. Um, but after that, it took like a week for our building to be, um, it, you know, safeguarded enough and everyone to be comfortable coming back in. And it was, yeah, it was the worst earthquake I've ever been in. I, I, never, I never took it as seriously before and I do take it very seriously now. Because it was horrifying.
3: Yeah,
2: it
0: was simply horrifying.
2: And yeah. everybody has a story about this too. It's yes, you know, so many people just stay in the Washington area or yeah. This was a big earthquake.
0: It was um, a really big earthquake. And if you were in um, Pioneer Square up in Seattle, the brick facades of buildings fell down. Um, it really, we were just lucky that. Um, it's just one of the things where most of the damage that occurred didn't occur in a way that hurt anybody.
2: Yes. We were extremely lucky so. about that, especially with people not really behaving the way they were supposed to. You said you got under your desk. That was excellent.
0: We did get and under the – on. Yeah, we got under the table. We held on. But I'll tell you, our post-earthquake um, etiquette or p- protocol, not there.
2: That's a not whole different there. story. Yeah. I mean, well, Pioneer Square, you hear all these stories of people running outside and almost right? getting hit by bricks. Right. And all I can ever think of with that is this must have been – if this had happened on a sunny Saturday in the morning right. in Pioneer Square. Yeah. In the middle of the summer, it, right. we would not have been so
0: lucky. No, this was lucky. It was it was a, a not a rainy day, which is good, but it was in February, so it wasn't yeah. warm, it was cold in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I've got some good questions I think to ask you. Okay. So we're going to do some so for to start out with what do you do? Okay? All right. So, it's an earthquake. What do you do?
2: You drop, cover, and hold on as appropriately to where you are.
0: Okay, so if we're so we're in a studio right here, where if we start shaking right now, where would we go?
2: Well, the most important thing when you're thinking drop, cover, and hold on is um, I think of these three as kind of separating them out. Drop is to keep you stable mm-hmm. and also make you a smaller target from anything that's falling. Okay. Um, cover is about covering your head, cover your head and neck. That's the most important part. And it can be also take cover if you can. Okay. Um, So I would take cover under this table right here. Yeah.
0: It's not a super strong table, but I think it would keep things from hitting us in the head.
2: Yeah. When you're taking cover, you're kind of looking around the room, get that situational awareness about what might be able to fall on you, whether it's this mic stand right here, uh, maybe something else in the room. But um, taking cover there, protecting your head from that. And then you hold on because... Um, in your earthquake, at least. Yeah. You said the building's swaying back and forth. It
0: was amazing. It Sometimes was really the table moving. tries to
2: jump away yeah. from you, and then it's not covering you anymore. So you've got to right. hold on.
0: Got to hold on. So what do you do? It stops shaking.
2: Stop shaking. Just
0: stop shaking. Now what do you do? You're
2: gonna, well, I'd be asking you if you're okay the very first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, check the people around you. Make sure they're okay. Check your own surroundings. Um, are you okay? Do you have any life-threatening injuries? Um, next, you're going to want to take the situation in around you. Um, Is there anything that leads to an immediate emergency? Um, Are there any sparking wires? Are there um, anything that could start a fire? Do you smell smoke? Do you smell gasoline? Um, Those are going to be the things that are going to have you call 911 Mm -hmm. and really need to leave the building immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, look for any cracks in the wall, especially through drywall or any supporting walls. They're hard to tell what those supporting walls are sometimes, but you can tell if there's like a main beam or something. Um, You don't necessarily need to evacuate right after an earthquake. Okay. But any of those things, um, again, smelling gas, fire, you should definitely evacuate.
0: Okay. Uh, So let's suppose this happens uh, in the middle of the day. What should you do next that day? You've left the building now, Shaking stopped. What do you do next?
2: Okay. And one more thing, when you're evacuating, Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard horror stories of people forgetting their keys and things and then they can't get into their car. Yes. Take things with you. I mean, we have all the time in the world right now to think about it.
0: Well, and this <laughs> is an important difference, I think, because you know we drill a lot for fires, mm-hmm. and in a fire drill, they say, "Don't yeah, get your just purse, leave. don't do anything, just get up and get out of the building because it's on fire." No. Right? But an earthquake, okay, the earthquake's done. Mm-hmm. You can take a moment. You can, yeah,
2: as long as it's not that emergency situation, right? Because that's as... the same as a fire drill.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you can, take your keys, take a coat, yes. And what else should you do uh, that day?
2: So later that day, again, you want to check in with everybody else around you. Um, imagine you might have some family in the area, some mm-hmm. friends. Um, check in with them. And unless it's an emergency, do not try to call them because after an emergency. So Snohomish County earlier this year, we had yeah. a 4.6 earthquake. Didn't really cause any damage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they got over 200 calls in two hours. It was mostly people just telling them what they had felt. Um, they wanted to talk to somebody.
0: So um, it was to the, like to 911? To 911.
2: Oh. Um, so that's important to remember that's only for emergencies. Yeah.
0: So don't um, call 911 if you're not in an emergency.
2: So something we talk about with preparedness is having an out of area contact. Okay. Um, somebody to text first.
0: Um, and how far out of area should your out of area contact be? Like in another state or just um, in a couple of counties over?
2: Um, So that's really going to depend on the earthquake, but I would Mm -hmm. recommend having one out of state. Mm -hmm. And because we have the Cascadia subduction zone, preferably not Oregon or Northern California, because those might be not out of the area of a severely large earthquake.
3: Wow.
0: Yeah.
2: Be equally affected.
0: And you said text rather than call?
2: Yeah, because you can usually get a text through even if uh, you can't call, and that takes up less of the bandwidth on the networks.
0: Oh, really good. So this is sort of a a good preparedness tip. I mean, you know, if you have not set up a uh, out-of-area or out-of-state contact for your family, then do it. Yeah. I know I'm uh, supposedly the out-of-state contact for my family, which is all down in Southern California, uh-huh. but uh, we haven't talked about that lately, so I think we need to renew that.
2: Yeah, if you have an out-of-state contact, it's really good to let them know that they are that contact. Mm-hmm. And if something happens, you're going to be checking in with them, and they're kind of going to be that relay point for sharing that message with right. other people.
0: What about, you know, I've noticed in um, other situations that Facebook uh, has sort of become a good um, I'm safe type. Yeah,
2: that's a good way to check in as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Any of your social media apps, you can do that if you have Internet available. Right. Um, But it's good to have that out of area contact just as a backup. You don't want to have a single point of failure in your plan. Um, So that day, yeah, I would just check in with that. Um, The other thing to think about is um, because Nisqually was a deep earthquake, Mm -hmm. um, happens way down in the plate below us, a subducting one, it doesn't really have any aftershocks. But a lot of the other types of earthquakes we could have here might have aftershocks. Mm -hmm. So throughout that day, throughout the week, throughout the next few months, um, be prepared just to drop, cover, and hold on safely um, for your situation Okay. Um, if the ground starts shaking again because it will.
0: Well, that was – so my next question was, you know, what do you do the next day after the earthquake? You know, are there any things that you should be doing in addition to being aware of aftershocks?
2: Um, being aware of aftershocks and I would say the other thing with aftershocks is know that maybe your building wasn't completely damaged. But any of those that had like cracks appearing in them, yeah, um, they might have more damage in an aftershock. Oh. Um, so it's going to take a while to get some of those surveyed and they, can, they're gonna, they might have continuing damage. hmm um, so this is going to be where to check in with maybe any routes you take as well. Um, Disqually in the Olympia area, we had a lot of liquefaction, lateral spreading, where the mm-hmm. road just kind of split apart because yeah. the soil had liquid move through it.
0: Yeah, I know um, down along Capitol Lake, the whole um, – the walkway along there just completely buckled up. It just looked like someone had tossed, tossed down a bunch of blocks. didn't look yeah. like a walkway at all.
2: It's, yeah. it's really not walkable anymore <laughs>
0: No and I can't um, imagine what it would have felt like when if you were down there on it at the oh, yeah. time that happened
2: That type of soil really amplifies the shaking as well so it's going to be a lot more intense high frequency
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. the other thing would be just check in on the people around you that you know you care about mm-hmm. um, How about after Nisqually for you What what were you doing right. over this time period?
0: Well um, you know once we were able they it took I mean it took most of the afternoon for them to, be comfortable that we could go into the plaza garage and get our cars. Mm-hmm. So after that, then I was driving um, home to Tacoma, and mostly I was worried, you know, what am I going to find when I get home? Oh, yeah. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it was, you know, I don't know, we are on rock or something, but, you know, it yeah. was no damage, nothing. Nothing had fallen off even a shelf. Um but what I had to do then, our office was closed down for a week, and this was in 2001. So we didn't have the social media, mm-hmm. didn't have um, even everyone on, um, on cell phones. Yeah. So a lot of it was if I had people's home email, I would, e- I, you know, I was emailing everyone because I was getting relayed messages of what's going on at the building, and I was in charge of an office. And I was also um, calling and leaving messages on their work phone because I, could ha- I had a work mm-hmm. distribution list. Now, you know, not everyone thought to check their work voicemail, uh, but those who did would get regular updates. I'd give them, you know, twice a day updates on what was going on. So a lot of people did know what was going on in terms of when the – you know, what the building was like and when we might be able to get back in. Uh, others didn't because it hadn't occurred to them to check their work phone. Yeah. So a lot of what we learned was, um, you know, things to tell people to check if they were suddenly out of the office and, you know, didn't know what to do. And that, yeah. was, a, that was a help. Well, what about – okay, so next one. Volcanoes erupting. All right, right now.
2: Right now. Right now. Well, how come we didn't have any warning?
0: Yeah. How come we didn't have any warning? What can we expect before the volcano erupts?
2: So it's kind of tough to tell exactly what to expect beyond warning mm-hmm. of some sort.
0: So something.
2: Something. Um, so we actually have four volcano levels, um, currently all of ours in the Cascades, all five of our active volcanoes. Um, they're all active. They could go into unrest at any time, um, but they're all considered normal right now. Okay. Um, so this is, we have the instruments on them. we got seismometers, looking at the GPS stations on them, uh, checking the gas once in a while that comes off of them. They're all active, but they're different levels of active. So mm-hmm. Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens have a lot more earthquakes than Mount Baker. Mm-hmm. That's just regular for them. Um, and we've got a couple agencies watching them very closely, the Cascades Volcano Observatory down in Vancouver and the Pacific Northwest Seismic Network up at the University of Washington. Okay. Um, so if something changes, I like to say this is kind of like the uh, get the blood pressure, get the heart rate of yeah. your regular doctor visit. Yeah. Um, if something changes above that baseline, You'll y- you know you got to check up on it right.
0: a little bit. Right. Well, is there any chance? I mean, I, I, there's always, I guess, a chance, but is there any reasonable likelihood that you could get the volcano doing something that disruptive without a whole lot of warning? There is. Oh, well, tell me about that.
2: So this is very rare opportunity or something that's not going to happen very frequently. Yeah. But um, sometimes things happen without warning. Um, but the cases where that's going to happen are, for example, Mount Rainier has had Out of its last, I believe it's nine, uh, large lahars that they found. Um, So these large volcanic mud flows that Mm -hmm. come down into the river valleys. Um, Some have even gone into the Puget Sound. Um, One of those has occurred, um, at least occurred according to the evidence, without any volcanic eruption preceding it. Um, So this was just a collapse of part of the mountain.
0: And then the mud just started flowing out.
2: It started flowing. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have located a spot where that could potentially happen um, on Mount Rainier still. Um, there's a couple on Mount Baker as well. So this is just an area where the rock is weaker because it's an active volcano. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hot, acidic water moving through it, and it just kind of weakens layers of rock to the point where just gravity can cause these to fall at some point.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: again, this is extremely unlikely, but right. because it's the worst-case scenario, just a bump in the night, um, we have to prepare for it, which right. is why Pierce County has these lahar sirens mm-hmm. in the Puyallup and Ording Valley all the way down to Fife.
0: Mm-hmm. And so let's assume that does happen. Okay. What would you do? The sirens start going off. The mud is coming. What do you do?
2: So if you're in, um, you just got to get to high ground to follow these volcano evacuation route signs. Um, ideally, part of your preparation is have a go bag, um, oh. something you can take in a hurry. Uh-huh. Um, so that'll have some important things in it like food, water. Um, you don't want to carry too much water at once. You don't right. want that whole one gallon. but um, Something like a water purifier, um, maybe a life straw as one example, or some sort of way to purify water, um, maybe your important information as well, too. Um, we always recommend putting that in a on a USB drive, taking pictures of, say, medical records, your pet's medical records, insurance. Uh-huh. Um, and you can just put those photos on a USB drive, put it in a waterproof container, and keep it with you at all times. Um, but you want to take that and you really want to walk out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, understand your hazard. Know that in um, if you live in the river valley in Tacoma, it's a lot less likely to reach you, but if it's going off, you should really get to high ground before yeah. you wait for more information. Yeah, um, But like up and ording. they've been practicing their drills with this for a long time, at mm-hmm. least getting the schools out. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to walk to high ground. Yeah. Because if everybody gets in their car, they've done all the modeling, there's no way everybody's going to make it right. to safety. Right,
0: right. Uh, for the schools, I'm curious if they're in the Lahar Flow area, what is the protocol? Is it to just... I would assume it's for them to keep the kids and move the kids to a safer area rather than get, letting the kids go home.
2: You'd have to check with the schools yeah, on that, but I um, during school hours, I believe that's. Yeah. And that's why they practice that.
0: Sure, that would make sense. That would make sense. Well, what kind of things – So let's suppose the volcano has erupted or a lahar has occurred. Um, you've got your go bag, you're going to higher ground. What comes next? What else should you be thinking about?
2: Waiting for more information, thinking mm-hmm. about how well, your daily life is going to be impacted. Um, so if this is the situation that spontaneous Lahar, um, really it's, it's going to be a, it's really going to be luck of the draw whether your house is destroyed by this or not. Mm-hmm. You have the power to get out of there. you can do it. Um, but it's just going to be up to chance whether right that makes it out or not.
0: So this is something I know um, in California, the wildfire areas, they think of a lot, and I think we think of it less. But let's say you are given an evacuation notice,
3: mm-hmm.
0: need to get out. What kinds of things should people take with them? And what kinds of things should they just let go?
2: Well, so this is different with a volcano, but because um, mm-hmm. <laughs> a volcano, you're going to have an hour yeah. or uh, yeah. a couple hours warning before a lahar. Or something like that. I mean, you always have the option if the volcano is in a state of unrest, maybe it's an advisory or a watch, Mm -hmm. Um, go live with your family for a little while if you live in the lahar zone Yeah, and they don't. Um, You don't want to impose too long. This could last months to years. But um, until you get more information, that's always an option. Mm -hmm. Um, That's when you have this time to think about what you would bring. And that's really up to the individual. Mm -hmm. Um, When we're talking about preparedness kits, think about what do you need for long-term comfort? Right. you have the basics, food, water, uh, medications are important if you take those,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but then like flashlights, batteries, yeah, um, those are kind of things you should have in your go kit,
0: uh, okay, um, well, and presumably in a volcano situation, you know the it's not a widespread devastation, so you should be able to go to a Rite aid if you need to get your prescription refilled or something.
2: Yeah, so all the lahars, the areas that have a lahar hazard, you can look them up on the Cascades Volcano Observatory or our Department of Natural Resources um, websites. And um, you can see where these have happened before. They're mm-hmm. not very likely to happen outside those areas again.
0: Okay, so they tend to flow in the same pattern.
2: Yeah, they're um, so they're pretty confined to river valleys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a flow of mud. So The thing to think of beyond that, though, is if just because an area was not hit by the lahar, you've got all this sediment in there. And if you put all this mud in your bathtub, fill it up the same amount, yeah. it's going to overflow. Right. So you're going to get flooding years down the line in places that you didn't have before.
0: Oh, interesting. Um,
2: so like the valley under Ording, mm-hmm. that last event that happened without warning, the electron mud flow, they call it, um, between 500, 600 years ago, uh, that raised the valley floor somewhere between 30 and 100 feet. So oh, they're so, sitting on top of that. Yeah.
0: So if you had a house in that area, yeah. there's very likely that you'd have some impact Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what about so the earth is we're back to earthquakes. Earthquakes happened and now we get a tsunami warning. Okay. Okay. Well, now in what some do we do? cases,
2: the earthquake may be the only tsunami warning you get.
0: Okay. It comes that fast after the earthquake?
2: It can, yes. Oh. Um, so, again, we've got a couple different types of faults here. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Cascadia Subduction Zone fault That's our main tsunami generator. Last time it went off was the year 1700. Oh, really? Um, so we found this based on a tsunami that happened in Japan,
3: mm-hmm. um,
2: as well as some of the stories from the tribes in the area. Um, they talk about the ground shaking and then a huge wave coming up. And uh, then uh, some geologists have gone and tracked down a story about this in Japan. So we know the exact date, January 26, 1700. Oh,
0: so, that's – so it, it, did Japan also experience a tsunami – at that time?
2: Then? They experienced a tsunami at okay. that time. Should have been based on the speed they travel somewhere between 9 and 11 hours later.
0: Oh, um, interesting.
2: But So, yeah, almost 320 years ago, we had a large earthquake on the Cascadia subduction zone. Um, that would have caused some subsidence on the coast, probably about 5 to 6 feet, mm-hmm. and then a tsunami anywhere between 30 and 60 feet in different areas. Hmm. Um, Washington, Oregon, California, B.C., all would have experienced this.
0: Do you, with a tsunami, I know the coastal communities are really high at risk, but what about here in in sort of further inland Puget Sound? Would we have an impact? Yes. Oh, um, tell me about that.
2: So that's kind of like, um, again, the lahar from mm-hmm. Mount Rainier reaching Tacoma. It's going to mm-hmm. take longer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The um, tsunami from a Cascadia subduction zone reaching the Tacoma area, the port of Tacoma, that's going to take a lot longer as well. Okay. Um, but again, this is going to be a smaller wave when it reaches, but yeah. um, if you look at the Santa Cruz Harbor and Crescent City, California, after 2011, uh, Japan had an earthquake. They mm-hmm. had about a three-foot-tall tsunami.
0: Well, three feet could do some serious damage in Tacoma. We've got a lot of um, industry and yeah. a lot of polluted land down at sea level. Mm-hmm.
2: That's not good. No. <laughs> yeah, because this one caused a couple of million dollars worth of damage to the port. It was mostly just throwing people's boats around, but right. that causes a lot of damage um, you got to yeah. think of this as not just a normal wave, but mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much a tide yeah. that's moving very quickly.
0: Well, I've seen videos of tsunamis in you know Indonesia and other places, and it mm-hmm. seems like you know the water comes, you know, flowing in, yeah, and then everything goes sucking back out, and uh-huh. it's that process, the going back out, seems to just pull everything.
2: And when you talk about that in polluted areas, that just pulls that right back into the sound, and that's then it spreads around the sound, so that's not good. Um, good. The other part with tsunamis I have to mention, too, is we have a Tacoma fault as well. So there's a Seattle fault that goes right under Mm I-90, approximately. Um, Tacoma fault also goes under there. So this is a surface fault, Um, so the potential for shaking is a lot more intense. Um, Again, our Nisqually, you described how intense that was.
0: Yeah, and that was a deep...
2: That was deep. That was about mm-hmm. 30 miles underground. This is right below the surface. Oh, my. So, again, this is more like the earthquakes that happened in New Zealand and mm-hmm. Christchurch. They mm-hmm. were uh, Which... relatively low magnitude, lower than Squally,
0: Right, but they shook the buildings down.
2: They took an entire building down because yeah. it was just right under the surface. Huh. It was like being really, really close to a light bulb versus being further away from it.
0: Okay. And so that's something that we're at risk for in Tacoma because of the— As well.
2: And that could actually cause a tsunami as well. Really? Um, so they're working on modeling for it to see how large that would be. But again, that would be anywhere between 6, 10 feet potentially in this area.
0: Wow. Okay.
2: And our 1949 earthquake we had um, in the Tacoma Narrows, there was mm-hmm. a small landslide caused by that that caused a tsunami to reflect across the narrows. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's an interesting one to look up too. <laughs> so earthquakes can cause landslides that can cause tsunamis.
0: Huh. Okay. But
2: We live in an exciting place. We do
0: live in an exciting (laughs) – it's dangerous. It's very exciting. So we've talked a couple of times about a go-bag. Let's talk about getting prepared. All right. And let's be realistic about it because I I always have – it's kind of like discussing um, recycling with people Mm -hmm. where it seems like they will almost immediately confess that they're not really as prepared as they would like to be. Mm -hmm. So what is sort of the things that you would consider really you must have these things?
2: Food and water would be the absolute
0: first ones. For how long?
2: So we suggest getting two weeks ready. Um, and this came out of the, uh, we did the Cascadia Rising exercise. Mm-hmm. Most of the state was involved and a few of the other states in the area. Um, and the finding behind that, this was simulating a rip of the Cascadia subduction zone, a 9.0 earthquake and tsunami. Um, after this, we've got a lot of bridges, we've got a lot of roads, a lot of infrastructure, and it's all connected. Mm-hmm. People will be coming to help you. Um, first responders will be coming FEMA will be coming in Um, we'll have aid coming from all over the place but just because of the amount of damage to infrastructure it is going to take time for them to get to you okay so two weeks ready is all about just be ready to be on your own help yourself help your neighbors help your community Mm -hmm. so that you are not an additional emergency you're not yeah
0: you're not an unnecessary burden
2: the idea is to empower people that they can help themselves um Getting prepared. So what is uh,
0: what is two weeks of food and water to look like per person?
2: So with water, Mm -hmm. we recommend one gallon per Per, person per day. Okay, Um, and ideally that will handle your hygiene needs as well. But you might want more. Okay, and then the other thing to think about is a lot of people have pets around here. Yes, they need water too. They need food. Um, Food is going to depend on your needs individually, Um, but I mean. Depends what you typically have, your three meals.
0: Would you think that people should think about um, food that can last a long time, like dehydrated um, camping food?
2: Yeah, dehydrated, um, non-perishable food is going to mm-hmm. be ideal. Um, just look around at what you have in your house right now is what I recommend. Do you have a lot of soups or anything like yeah. that? Because um, those, some of them tend to be cheaper than others. I right. Mean, you could go full MRE route if you want.
0: Right. Um, well, I think the challenge is always the um, cycling through this stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it just sits and sits and sits for years, then it's not going to be good when you need it. So you do have to have some plan for, you know, using and replacing the water, using and replacing the food. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a challenge.
2: And it can be. So one thing we recommend with that, too, is, I mean, you're supposed to check your smoke detector batteries every six months. Mm -hmm. Why not look at your preparedness kit then, too? Check some expiration dates. Maybe have a canned food party, yeah. where you can, hey, make it fun. That's yeah. the good part. Or I know some people with kids that do, hey, every six months, pick your favorite candy bar. Hey, here's your old one from your kit. Just put it in the kit.
0: Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. What about um, medications? I mean, it could be a little difficult to get two weeks of medication it extra.
2: really depends on the medication. But yeah, for some, it would be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something you really need to talk to your pharmaceutical provider about, your doctors. Um I haven't actually found any specific solutions for that, mm-hmm. but you really need to have that conversation.
0: All right. So the must-haves are the food and the water, maybe the medications. What's a should-have?
2: Um, so based on some like some of the disasters that have happened, hurricanes, you realize that ATMs go up pretty quickly. Uh-huh. But your credit card's not going to work either. We recommend having cash and a bunch of small bills on hand.
0: Okay. About how um, much do you think would be?
2: Oh, I couldn't make a recommendation yeah. on that. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, small bills is the recommendation just mm-hmm. so you can trade for small things if you want.
0: Um, Interesting.
2: We can of stash that in smaller spaces
0: mm-hmm.
3: um,
2: around.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good to
2: have in the go bag as well. Um, if you have canned food, don't forget a can opener.
3: Mm, that's, very good. That's
2: an important one. Um, hygiene items, you're going to want to keep that quality of life even if something isn't normal. So right. as well, um, toilet paper.
0: What about like a solar-powered phone charger?
2: That sounds fantastic, mm-hmm. especially if you want to keep entertainment, yeah. um, these comfort items, things that you normally have in your life. I mean, yeah. I have instant coffee because mm-hmm. that's to Because you don't want to go without
0: coffee, right?
2: <laughs> Another alternative to that, chocolate-covered espresso beans are fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah. That would um, be really good. Hard to resist uh, eating them in the meantime, though.
2: Uh, yes. <laughs> what,
0: do you, what do you see in sort of the disaster preparedness world that you look at and think, that's a waste of money. Don't bother with that.
2: Um, hmm, let me think on that one because it means um, everything kind of is a different way to prepare for somebody. Right. Um, so some people are going to be able to go all out and have these crazy – um, mm-hmm. I've heard someone describe it as when camping comes to you.
3: Oh, okay. And,
2: um, so there might be people that already have a lot of disaster supplies and mm-hmm. things to go camping with. Um, I think that was in a TED Talk. Steve Eberline. yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you ever ch- want to check that out. But he – uh yeah. You just think of what you would normally bring camping, mm-hmm. uh, as far as stoves, food, water. If that you makes backpack, sense. you might have some of this. Yeah, um, and some people go crazy when they go camping.
0: That's true. Um, the if very you have an RV, end.
2: though, that might be pretty useful for.
0: It. Actually, an RV could be really useful. Yeah.
2: So you might be more prepared than you think if you look around. Okay. Um, we just want this two weeks ready, and uh, you can find this on our website, mill.owa. gov/preparedness.
0: Okay. Um. Yeah. And does that have like the information on what should be in your go bag also? Oh yes. Okay, excellent. Um, and if you can say it again, mill.wa.gov.
2: Slash preparedness.
0: Slash preparedness.
2: And it's just kind of there, things to support. Um, try to help you figure out what the essentials are and help you get started. I'd start with water. Yeah. I'd add a gallon next time you go shopping if you're sure not sure where to start. Good plan. Because some is better than none. We know not everybody can get two weeks ready. Right. And, I mean, this could happen tomorrow. It really could. Yeah. It might not happen in our lifetimes, but... The idea is the next time the power goes out for an extended period of time. I mean, California just had their shut off.
0: Right. Even though nothing's happened yet, just as a preventive measure.
2: Yeah. yeah. And people are flocking to the stores, taking things off the shelves. Yeah. Um, if you're not flocking to the stores, you don't have that extra stress. Um, just start just now. Start that's, small. that's our suggestion. Start
0: with some water. That makes sense. Well, Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about what to do in very particular settings and some scenarios too. All right. Okay. <laughs>
1: This is Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan MVP, Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister podcast, Nerd Farmer. Hope and I are setting off on a new adventure. We're moving to the Middle East for the next few years and exploring a new culture. Don't worry, don't worry, the Nerd Farmer podcast isn't going anywhere. But do you know what is coming with us? My Alaska Airlines Mileage Plan. Here's what's cool. Alaska has more than 15 global partners, which allows me to earn and use Alaska miles even when I'm not flying Alaska. So if I leave SeaTac and fly direct to Dubai on Emirates on an eligible fare, I'm going to earn Alaska miles on that flight. That means whenever I fly home, I'm going to be racking up some insane miles that I can use to book future travel. If you have an international vacation plan, check out the list of Alaska airline partners like Japan Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Qantas, and a whole lot more. Enter your Alaska Airlines mileage plan number when you book with Alaska Global Partners and watch those miles add up toward elite status on your next trip. My thanks to Alaska Airlines for their continued support of Channel 253. Learn more at alaskaair.com backslash global partners.
0: Okay, we're back. Hey, before we get started back talking more and more about disasters, here's something you need to do. Avoid a disaster in your listening life and sign up as a member for Channel 253. $4 a month. You cannot beat that. You will not be sorry. Okay. I want to do a quick check for earthquakes what to do. What do you do? The earthquake happens. You're in the shower.
2: Oh, man. I really hope that doesn't happen. Um, So, again, for all these situations, the basic idea is going to be drop, cover, and hold on. And, Mm -hmm. again, that's going to be for stability, first of all, the ground shaking. You don't want it to fall out from under you. Cover, protect your head and neck. So in that case, I would turn off the shower first thing. Yeah, you're gonna be dropping down low. Don't want to be in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, But find something to hold on to while you're down there. Keep your head and neck covered. Maybe try not to hit your head on the either the sides of it or the grate. um,
0: Right, or the bath nozzle or something.
2: Or maybe have um, cover your head so you don't have like soap or shampoo falling on you. Seems small, but um,
0: yeah, good idea.
2: Any head injury you can avoid is a good idea.
0: Very good. Okay, you're in your car.
2: In your car. So during Nisqually, I've heard stories of people driving, um, and a lot of them said, oh, it felt like I had a flat tire. Mm. What's the first thing you do when you think you have a flat tire? Pull over. Yeah. You're going to want to pull over, set that emergency brake. um, And you can cover your head. You can hold on. Again, anything that's going to help protect your head. Um, The one thing when you pull over is you want to stay away from trees, power lines, um, and ideally from bridges if you can. Yeah, Um, It's that situational awareness, just looking at what's around you.
0: Okay. What if you're on a bridge? So if
2: you're on a bridge, um, most of our bridges in Washington are being retrofit, um, especially within the Lifeline Corridors, Mm I-5, I-90 as well. Um, The idea is that they will survive an earthquake. They might not be usable for a little while after that, but they will not collapse. Right. Um, So if you're on a bridge. Pull over too? Pull over as well. You don't want to be driving. So they've done some studies on this as well from other countries, especially where people are driving. And no matter how good of a driver you are, if the ground is moving. Um, they find people overcompensate, so that's going to mm. cause more accidents. Yeah. And you don't want to add that on top of the earthquake itself.
0: No. No. Definitely not. Okay. You're at the dog park.
2: At the dog park. That sounds like a pretty good place to be as long as you're not too surrounded by trees I know. or anything. Although I think,
0: would the dogs be freaking out, do you think?
2: They might be. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, well, you're welcome to try to cover your dog if you'd like, but mm-hmm. for the same thing, you want to stay on the ground. Stay down low so stability. stability, um, because you don't want to be thrown around. Um, you've seen some videos of these earthquakes, and people are just shifting right to left uncontrollably. Yeah. Um, there's different levels of ground shaking in each earthquake, but sometimes they'll start a little smaller and get more intense as they go. Sometimes they just start right off shaking you side to side. Um, so again, get down to the ground, drop, cover, and hold on, and hang onto your dog if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, we say with animals, let them. They'll know um, best. Supposedly, they'll know best. Um, If you have a really small animal, you can take it with you, take cover, but you want to protect yourself.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, In a high-rise building, like you're above the 20th floor?
2: Drop cover and hold on. Okay. Um, So, again, most of our buildings, the codes are designed so that they are unlikely to collapse. Um, That's something you see in a lot of other countries when you see Mm -hmm. um, earthquakes happen. Um, That is not the main concern. And even if it is, what you want to do is be under something. Mm -hmm. um, Going down the stairs is dangerous enough. I fall down the stairs all the time. Right. Um, imagine that while the ground is shaking. Um, so, again, they say, don't get in, the, uh, don't get in an elevator. but um, Drop cover and hold on. Even if there is a collapse, mm-hmm. we saw in the Mexico 1985 earthquake, desks holding up floors of the building. You create that space for yourself to stand in or for yeah. yourself to be in. Um, but, again, after that, um, check your surroundings and then try to evacuate if you need to. Okay. Uh, on a ferry? On a ferry? You probably shouldn't have too much to worry about um, if you're out in the water. Um, so shear waves are the damaging ones, the S waves, um, also secondary waves, they call them. Um, those are the ones that cause the most damage, the most shaking of mm-hmm. the ground, and they cannot pass through water.
0: Okay. So would you, would you maybe you wouldn't even be aware of the earthquake if you're on the water. You
2: might not be aware of it. Um, you might see some dust rising or something from the city if it's a really big um, Oh. Um, if you're, like, looking at Seattle, I'm picturing a Bremerton Ferry. Right, course, but, um, Right. looking
0: across at the Space Needle moving back and forth. Maybe oh. a little bit, but... Uh, in a movie theater.
2: Movie theater. So what we say, um, if you can't drop, cover, and hold on, uh, one thing to think is beneath, beside, between. Um, they always use the movie theater as this example. But anytime you're in a chair,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, you can either duck down... Um, Kind of sit forward in your seat and cover your head. Mm-hmm. Um, again, keeps you lower to the ground. Or you can get down on the ground next to your chair.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, it just kind of, maybe something that's falling will hit the chair instead of you. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but a movie theater is pretty open as yeah. well. And as long as they're not a huge lights above your head, um, yeah, if you can put your head under the chair, that's great.
0: Okay. In a restaurant.
2: Restaurant, you got a table right there probably you can get under. Um, Saw the Ridgecrest earthquake. was watching a bunch of videos on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, A whole ton of them were just swinging chandeliers in Vegas because that got a lot of shaking.
0: Oh, yeah. Um,
2: But again, if you get under something, um, that's going to help protect you. Again, you're going to want to stay away from things like glass that might shatter. Um, Maybe stay away from those big fish tanks like you were mentioning earlier. But um, pretty much your location where you are, what you want to do is minimize getting up and running. Right. Because that can cause— injury as well. Okay. You expose yourself to more.
0: What would be the worst possible place to be in an earthquake?
2: Well, they got rid of the viaduct, so (laughs) uh, I was always freaking out about that when driving on it. Um, Probably an unretrofitted bridge um, Mm. and potentially a parking garage.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. I remember the uh, Northridge quake in California, there were a lot of parking garages that were collapsing.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the glass museum as well. <laughs> Anywhere where there's a lot of, a glass, lot of glass that can break. Yeah. And, and it's hard to avoid. But again, cover your head. You can protect yourself from the worst of it. It's okay. better to come out with a few cuts than a, something worse.
0: Well, here's some scenarios. And this kind of hits on the, okay. pulling up on the glass. So, okay. You work in a glass building. So picture somewhere in Seattle. All glass, walls of glass, windows everywhere. You're above the 10th floor. Your desk is right by the window. The building starts to shake. What do you do? Hmm.
2: You drop cover and hold on, as always. But um, So that's a thing to think about now. If your desk is near that window, mm-hmm. um, is there a place you can get under the desk that will be free from that window itself? Um, is your desk anchored to the wall? Mm. Um, is there a wall to anchor it to, maybe to the floor, so that it won't, if you're holding onto it, it won't maybe shift out that window if it's shaking side to side right. and the glass is broken? Um, so those are things to think about ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot you can do to secure your space before an earthquake happens. So that would be a good one to think about but, um, so that it is a safe place for you at an earthquake, especially if you spend your whole day there.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. I definitely think that everyone should be doing that hard look around of what if there was an earthquake right now in my office, what would I do? Yeah. Yeah.
2: My monitor is strapped to my desk. Is it? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 In the Nisqually cake, one of the things we saw, of course, this, then the monitors were big box like monitors. Mm-hmm. But those they they hopped off the they hopped off the desks. Yeah. A lot of them were hanging by their cords.
2: And a thing to think about with that too is I mean it can prevent injury if you block mm-hmm. knock those down, but then you gotta get back to work eventually. Right. Um, and where we are in the emergency management division, we gotta get back to work really quickly because yes. that's supporting response. Um, so the less of our equipment that's damaged, the mm-hmm. faster we can get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of places where that will save money in the long term too. So that will help with long-term recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, if things are going to fall and there's an easy way to fix them to the walls, easy way to stop them from doing
0: that. Well, it's one of those things too I think as humans, you do a lot of things right after a bad event has happened. (laughs) Yes. So we were in the habit in my office of uh, anchoring all the tall bookcases to the walls. Uh But I noticed that now they're not anchoring them to the walls anymore Mm -hmm. because time has passed and you're not thinking about that as much. Yeah, it's yeah. The
2: hazard is the same every day.
0: Every day, okay. Here's another one. You live in Tacoma, but today you're in meetings in Gig Harbor all day, and your car is parked in a multi-level parking garage. Suddenly, there's a huge earthquake. Hmm. What do you do uh, first? How are you getting home?
2: Well, that's a good question.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, of course, first you drop cover and hold on. I think you know that by yes. now. Yes. Um, <laughs> but we um, so you
0: survive the shaking. Yeah. And then you think. My car is in the parking garage, and I'm across a bridge. You, you might have to out. take the long way. Yeah.
2: Um, again, you did the right thing other I'm um, checking on the parking garage. You got to make sure that's structurally sound first. Mm-hmm. Um, before you go into a building, um, there might be a tagging scenario mm-hmm. where people go around and they say this building is green. It's okay. Right. Um, this is limited use, maybe just for occupants. It might not be allowed to work in it. Or there's some buildings that are going to be red tagged. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not allowed to go in this building because it's unsafe. It's best not to go in those because they're unsafe. That's the only reason they're going to red tag it. Right. Um, these are structural engineers that are going to be doing this. Um, we're working on a system to get them out there faster. Um, but yeah, they can do the same thing with bridges as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so check on the Narrows Bridge. Is that going to be safe to go across? Right. You know, might have to take the long way. Right. And if it's a large enough earthquake that way around, um, you might have some other bridges you have to cross that might be unsafe. Right. It might take a really long time to get home. It
0: might take... So really let that out-of-area
2: contact know you're okay,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and where you are, and maybe they'll relay the message back. Um, do you have a communication plan in place for this?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that leaves, my next question is, you have a baby at daycare in Tacoma. What do you do about that?
2: When you're still in Gig Harbor?
0: You're still in Gig Harbor. You're not sure if you can get your car out of the garage. You're not sure what the bridge is going to be like.
2: Well, that sounds like an important thing to talk to the daycare provider about ahead of time. Um, yes. I have the same thing with kids in school. Mm-hmm. W- what is the reunification plan? Because, um, I mean, after a large disaster, sometimes people come flooding to pick up their kids. Mm-hmm. Schools have a problem with just giving kids to people in the middle of the day. Right. Understandably, they should.
0: Right. Um, we want that, right? Yes, yeah.
2: ideally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, find out what the unific- reunification plan is ahead of time and okay. learn about that and when it's going to be appropriate to come pick up your kids.
0: And the uh, next question is, can you contact your spouse or your family?
2: You might be able to. You might not. It depends how big this is. Um, but again, I'm going to recommend texting. Don't call. Um, okay. Save that extra bandwidth for emergency responders for 911. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. So our takeaways there are check in with your daycare provider now to find out yes. what's the plan in case of disaster. Be familiar with what your kids' school's protocols might be. Mm-hmm. Um, have an out-of-area contact lined up for your family. Excellent. Okay.
2: And uh, yeah, just know your routes, know what the hazards are, know what, if there's a bridge that might be taken out, maybe Mm -hmm. know some alternate routes.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Who knows, maybe the ferry will be working fine. Maybe you can get to a place where you can cross a different way. Yeah.
0: Um, So next one, you're at a business conference in Spokane when Mount Rainier erupts. How are you getting home?
2: Well, how are you getting home?
0: Well, do you think you'd be able to fly home? Because when Mount St. Helens blew up, the ash was everywhere. I think there was a problem with airplanes flying through it.
2: Yeah, airplanes are not supposed to fly through ash. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just always drive to Spokane, so I didn't think right? of that. <laughs> um, yeah, they let us drive at the state, not fly. Okay, so we uh, – I, yeah, you're going to have to check with the airport, see what the conditions are.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, not every eruption is going to have a large amount of ash as well. Mm-hmm. Mount Rainier is a significantly smaller ash producer than St. Helens. Um, I think its largest eruption was somewhere between a tenth and a twentieth the size of the 1980 eruption. Oh, really? Um, at least by the deposits they found. From what you can see. Um, but still, yeah, a little bit in the air is not good. Right. So maybe you're going to have to find a way to drive back. But still, driving in volcanic ash can be dangerous. It right. can be slippery when it's on the ground. Um, it can be abrasive to the car engines, to mm-hmm. the intakes. If you put it on your windshield and start... Wapping, wiping it back and forth, it can scratch it. Right. It's really abrasive. It's nasty stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, and um, I don't know if the mountain passes would be in, you know, more problematic, whether you would have to drive south and drive along Columbia River or what you would do.
2: Yeah. That's really going to depend on the eruption. So not all volcanic eruptions are the same. And that's the other thing when you're looking at this hazard map. You have these lahar paths, um, areas where lahars have happened before. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean every eruption is going to fill every single one of those valleys with mud. Right. That means that's a place where it's likely one of them will happen again. Um, and it could just be extra water moving through. Mm-hmm. Um, but just know what those are. Um, mm-hmm. Plan ahead again. If you see this volcano has activity. Um, so, again, that kind of explosion, Yeah. that's going to happen with some warning. Right. Um, so the volcano will be in an elevated state of unrest, and it might have an eruption.
0: And we would assume that your. You know, broadcasting, power, all of that wouldn't necessarily be impacted by an eruption. So you should be able to have local news media coverage oh, yes. and find out information on what's going on.
2: Yeah, especially if you're very far away from it.
0: So Whereas in an earthquake, that might be temporarily out it of service. could be different, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, the ash can disrupt some communications, but usually not as, as much.
0: Okay. Uh, So this one's maybe more likely. Uh, You're safe at home, in bed at night. Suddenly everything starts shaking. What do you do?
2: Well, here's a good question. Get up or do you? What is the most statistically safe place you can be during an earthquake? I don't know. Well, the least injuries have happened when people are in bed, actually. Oh, really? Um, You're staying in one spot. You're not Mm -hmm. trying to get up and move around. You're not exposing yourself to additional hazards. That is to say, as long as you don't have your giant picture frame right, above your bed on you. or your bowling ball collection, right. anything like that. Just um, Yeah, if you're in bed, it's a relatively safe place to stay okay. compared to getting up and trying to move around. Mm-hmm. But after that, an important thing to have is uh, we always recommend having like closed-toed shoes under your bed, mm-hmm. maybe some windows break or something. Staying in bed is pretty safe. Um, yeah. Getting up and stepping on broken glass is also pretty common. Right. Um, so have those shoes ready.
0: Okay, so you stay in bed, that's fine, but then make sure you put some closed-toed shoes on, and then what would you do?
2: So then you're going to, again, look around your room and see if there's um, any—do you smell gas? Is Mm -hmm. there any fire?
0: Would you go check on uh, gas and water, or would you just um, see if anything is um, out of the ordinary?
2: So usually you don't shut off your gas unless you smell it. Mm -hmm. Um, And same thing with electricity, like— Shutting off electricity if you see sparking wires or something like that. Okay. Um, and that can be because the gas company needs to come back to turn that on once you've turned it off. Oh, I see. Um, make sure it's safe. So that can leave you for a long time, especially if they're responding to a lot of other people, mm-hmm. which might leave you with no heat, which would be bad in the middle of the winter. Right. Um, so only in the situation where you need to shut them off. Um, but yeah, check with your. Just to make sure on that, because every area is a little bit different, Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of those questions that needs to be a lot more localized.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: Um, So your local emergency management.
0: Probably there's information on the City of Tacoma website. Oh, yes. Yeah, we check for that. Um, What about um, checking on your workplace or schools and other local services after an earthquake? What kind of information do you think would be available and how would people best access it?
2: Um, so, I know our continuity of operations plan is pretty solid
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, where we know who we're supposed to call um, to get more information about this when it happens. Um, they're going to give us a text message that says, like, I can report in very shortly. I can report in or I can't. Um, but, yeah, you should check with your workplace about that mm-hmm. um, and see what their procedure is. Um, And then if they don't have something, again, before the earthquake, before the volcano, before the disaster is always the best time to prepare for it.
0: Right. Uh, So what if your electricity is out after the earthquake? Is there anything you can do about that?
2: Call your power company like you normally would. But um, again, it might be out for a lot of people if it's out for you. Um, But any type of reporting that they have, I would recommend going through that. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's – it's probably not a life-threatening emergency if your power is out, so might Mm -hmm. result – Don't call Mm -hmm.
3: 911 unless it is. But
2: that's why you want to have this preparedness kit where you have ways to prepare food and water in case it's an extended power outage.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, that was my next question. What's for breakfast? What's for lunch? What's for dinner? What'd you pack? What'd you pack? What do you have on hand? Yeah.
2: Got my granola bars. That's always good. Mm-hmm. Maybe not ready to break out the freeze-dried stuff at that point. Just
0: No. Although if you don't have any electricity, you may have things in your refrigerator that you want to eat first.
2: Yeah. I got to get rid of those first. Yeah. Maybe transfer what's in the freezer to the refrigerator. I don't know.
0: Yeah. You've got some things to think about. Hmm. So I had down final words of wisdom here in my notes, but let's talk about the shakeout next week.
2: Oh, that sounds excellent.
0: When is it? So, exactly,
2: ten seventeen a.m. on October seventeenth. So, okay, ten seventeen at ten seventeen.
0: Excellent. And what uh, will most most workplaces are participating in this? Wouldn't you say? I mean, it seems like we've heard quite a lot about it.
2: Yeah. So we've gotten a governor's proclamation that because they serve the people of the state of Washington and need mm-hmm. to know what to do after an earthquake, all state agencies are required to participate in the shakeout. Mm-hmm. Um, so basic participation is. Drop, cover, and hold on for a minute. Okay. And uh, the um, – so like the ShakeOut website, you can go to shakeout.org resources. Okay. And they have um, like a media file you can play. It'll mm-hmm. uh, just be an audio that walks you through the drill. It's like there's an earthquake happening. Drop, cover, and hold on now. And it just kind of plays earthquake sounds. I think this one doesn't have any screaming anymore. There oh. used to be kind of a crazy one.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: but um, – That just goes on for a minute, and then it says, Mm -hmm. thank you for participating. This is an earthquake drill. Right now, drop cover and hold on. Drop to the floor now. During a large earthquake, the ground might jerk strongly and knock you down. Take cover under something sturdy to protect yourself from objects that can be thrown across the room. Hold on to your shelter until the shaking stops. If you can't get under something, stay low and protect your head and neck with your arms. Now look around. What objects might fall or be thrown at you that you should secure in place before a real earthquake? Finally, a strong earthquake may cause a tsunami. If you're near the ocean during an earthquake, drop cover and hold on. Then quickly walk to high ground after the shaking stops. This drill is over. Visit shakeout.org for simple steps to help you survive and recover from a major earthquake. Thank you for taking part in the great shakeout. So that's what I recommend is the easiest way to do it. Mm But you can do with this any level you want. You can do a full exercise. Yeah. Um, we tend to just go out and use this opportunity to practice our evacuation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what would we do? How do we make sure everybody's in the building? Um, everybody's out of the building. Uh, everyone's accounted for. Um, some places will go into their continuity of operations plan. Mm-hmm. Will they? Who do they call next um, and start to just check with other people? Can they still send alerts and messages?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: then if you live on the coast, if you're in a tsunami hazard zone, it's an excellent time to practice your tsunami evacuation as well. Yeah. So all the coastal sirens will go off at 1017. Oh, really? On October 17th. So if okay. you hear those and you happen to be on the coast, maybe going mm-hmm. on vacation, um, don't freak out. It's, don't panic. That's supposed to be happening.
0: It's a drill. Um,
2: if it goes off at 1018, though, maybe um, yeah. check with somebody else to see yeah. <laughs> if that's real.
0: If it's October 18th, then maybe you should take it pretty seriously. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, one of the things that I would recommend. So, in my office, I don't think I'm actually there on the 17th, but um, my desk is curved. It's in a corner, and I don't think it would be that easy to get underneath it. Um, So, so it's a. The nice thing about doing the shakeout drill is that it does give you an actual opportunity to see: Do I fit under my desk? What do I need to do? Do I have a you know a side table or something if I can't get under my desk? Uh, And I think the other thing is when you are under your desk or before you come back out, take a moment and look at your space and look at what could fall on you. You know, do you have heavy things hanging on the walls? Even if you've got just uh, diplomas or pictures on the walls, if they were to fall down, would they fall near where you're covering in place? Do you have a bookcase that could fall on you? Uh, Do you have a computer monitor that could chop off the table and hit you? Uh, because these are the what these honestly are the things that really happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, the, in my office, uh, in the highways licenses building, my beautiful uh, potted plants that I had all popped off the shelf oh, and broke.
2: I gotta
0: save those. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know they were repotted later. It was okay, but um, you know things that you don't think about these things as you bring them into your office necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think about them, all you know falling off of the desktop or falling off the window and hitting you in the head, you suddenly may think twice about whether you want them right there at that time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Um, We tend to think of the shakeout too as if there is one time throughout the year that you think about earthquakes, you think about the hazards, Mm -hmm. just make it that one minute while you're under your desk. Yeah. Preferably, you should do something more. Um, Mm -hmm. We like to say do the shakeout and then do one more thing, Yeah. Um, whether it's starting your preparedness kit, um, whether it's making plans. You can even do more than one thing. We'll be very happy with that as well. <laughs> you
0: can do several things. Yeah. But do uh, one. Yeah. Right.
2: Just spend some time thinking about it. Okay. Um, what, is, what is missing that you can do now before the disaster
0: happens? Good and advice. You provided some great ideas. Good. All right. Well, before we close out, uh, Brian, anything else on earthquakes, volcanoes, and disasters and planning?
2: Um, I'd say for any disasters, mm-hmm. one thing that's really important a lot of people don't realize is you have a local emergency management office. Um, City of Tacoma has one. I would recommend getting in touch with them. Um, so I know Pierce County has an alert system as well. I love it because sometimes it will tell me when traffic is blocked on I-5. and. Uh, oh,
0: is it like a text messaging system? It's a text message system. I didn't know that. Um, I'll have to alert. look at that.
2: Um, so they will alert you about anything going on in Pierce County that um, is disastrous as well, not just traffic. Okay. Okay. Um, But also the USGS Cascades Volcano Observatory has a volcano notification service, which you can subscribe to, get information about your volcanoes ahead of time, right from them, right from the source.
0: That sounds good.
2: I believe it's all via email, but uh, okay. sometimes you'll get the same alert twice, but that Mm -hmm. just helps you confirm that Mm -hmm. it's... So if Pierce County and um, Cascades Volcano Observatory, and maybe Emergency Management too, um, my agency... I'll tell you that there's a volcano erupting. You're more likely to believe it.
0: Now, does your agency have an alert system or a text messaging system for emergency info?
2: We don't have a public one, but Mm -hmm. we run the wireless emergency alerts. And uh, some of the alerts you might get, like emergency alert system, Uh, when you get an AMBER alert, that might have come through us, but that might have come from our local as well.
0: Okay. All right. Good. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And where are you going to be during the shakeout?
2: Uh, under my desk.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Under your desk at Camp Murray? Of course. Okay. Good.
2: Hope you're all there as well. Uh-huh. Not under my desk. No.
0: <laughs> under your own, under or your own desk or tables or wherever it may be. Wherever it's safe. Great. Well, thank you very much. And this has been another episode of Crossing Division. And for listeners, if there's topics you'd like us to cover send me a message. I'm at at True Tacoma. Uh, You can also email Tacoma at gmail.com. We are very interested in trying to cover the information that people want to hear about. That's all for today.
1: Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel
3: 253.